What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Skewered Universe podcast. I am your host, Jeff, as you already know if you've listened to the show before. And before we get into the main show proper, which is going to cover pieces that I watched uh, as part of the Joe Bob Briggs Last Drive-In Marathon, I'm getting to it late, but I'm still getting to it. We all know the issues Shudder had with the live stream of that last year, so I've been taking in the movies piece by piece. So I decided to cover pieces this time because I had never seen it all the way through. I got about halfway through it one time and then didn't go back to it. So the main show is going to talk a little bit about Joe Bob Briggs, The Last Drive-In, my history, watching Joe Bob growing up. And then we're going to talk about pieces and I'll let you know what's going on with that. But before we get into the show proper here, I want to talk a little bit about some of the gaming news that's been going on or things that I'm interested in that maybe you guys are. And I don't have a lot to say about Xbox. I don't really have an Xbox, but we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, Don't have anything to talk about PlayStation 4. As you guys know, I'm in Arizona right now for a new job. My PS4 is back home in California. Uh, Hopefully in a few weeks, I'll be giving it some love and giving it some, uh, giving it a bit of a workout playing some games. And I'll let you know what I find out then, but I need to talk about the Nintendo Switch. Now, the beauty of the Nintendo Switch is I could play it docked on my TV or what I've been doing, playing it on the go. It's a portable system. I love it. It's that hybrid. It's really a great system. Now, I was not high on the Switch when I first heard about it. And then I came around after my friends were talking about it, saying how good it was. And we've got a few things to talk about with the Switch. Uh, First off, I'm going to talk about the Switch online service. I, for one, am very happy with it. I know some people are, you know, irritated. Oh, it doesn't have chat support. Uh, I can't get, like, this, that, and the other for it. I have to use a separate app on my phone. There are other things you can do to chat with your friends while you're online. This is still in the infant stages. And I know people go, well, it came out last year. Yeah, it did. But... I think Nintendo has an overall vision of what they want the Switch Online service to be, and we're going to see that unfold slowly. But if you think back, think about when Xbox first launched Xbox Live. It wasn't great in the beginning. It didn't have all the features that it has now. Same with the PlayStation Network. PlayStation Network was shit in the beginning, and I'll admit that right away. And either one of them, Xbox Live and PlayStation Network, they still have their flaws. But they are leaps and bounds from what they were, and it took years to get there. So if Nintendo stays focused on the Switch, the online service will come around to what everyone wants. One thing I do like about the Switch, they're not talking about putting Netflix on there and, you know, Amazon Prime and this, that, and the other. You can get YouTube, you can get Hulu. Okay, if you want that, that's fine. I put YouTube on mine, so if I don't have my iPad around and I'm on Wi-Fi and want to watch a couple videos, I can do that. As far as the online service, I enjoy it because I like the fact that they put the Nintendo, the classic Nintendo games on there. And I think soon we're going to see Super Nintendo and 64, sort of like the virtual console thing, but each one having its own little app, essentially, that you go into for the online service. So right now we have the NES Classic available on there with all those games. And they keep rolling out new games once a month. There's like three or four games every month. And I still see people getting upset. And it kind of bothers me because I'm like, you're paying $10 or $20 a year, I think it is, for online access to play these games. And I know people are like, well, I have original Nintendo. I can just play those. That's fine. I don't have my original Nintendo anymore. There's lots of people that don't. There are lots of people that can't afford to go out and get a retro console and collect a lot of those games because it can get pricey. And I know a lot of us got hosed on getting an NES Classic. I was able to get one later on. Wasn't able to get my hands on an SNES Classic, which I really wanted, but, you know, uh, assholes will be assholes. And a lot of them bought up the quantities that were out there and then turned around and sold them for three times the amount on eBay. And I get they're trying to turn a profit, they're trying to make a dollar, but fuck you. You fucked over those of us who were waiting for it. But Nintendo, I feel, is going to release that stuff slowly. They're going to roll it out. They want to make sure that it's working properly. 
That's the way I feel about it. And I know in the past, Nintendo has kind of hosed over the fans, but I think if they really focus on the Switch, like they focused on the Nintendo DS for a long time, even more so than the Wii or the Wii U. Now, I heard the Wii U or the Wii Virtual Console was good. I never got it. I played my Wii for, well, actually, it was my dad's Wii. We got it for him because he was really into it. Uh, we played it for maybe six months to a year, and then it got disconnected from the TV when we had when my parents had to get a new TV, and it hasn't been hooked up since. So, I think the Wii was sort of a novelty thing. It's like, hey, motion controls, the Wii motes, you can use the nunchuck, all these different things that you can lock your controller into. It was cool for a while, and then it kind of ran its course. The Wii U, Nintendo just released it, and then basically shit on it. It was like, eh, we're not giving it support. So I never had a Wii U. But the other thing I want to talk about with the Switch Online service is we have heard, and supposedly it's going to be coming up very soon, that Switch and Xbox, so Nintendo and Microsoft, are partnering in a sense, and we're going to get Xbox Live access on the Nintendo Switch. That to me is huge, especially for cross-platform play which I think is going to open up the Switch to more of those AAA titles. We're going to start getting more stuff available for the Switch. It's not going to be just, oh, well, we don't want you to have this game. So we're trying to stick family-friendly. The Switch, I think, is more popular with an older crowd of gamers. The younger crowd is still there. The kids are still there. you got the Nintendo Labo, which I think is a great thing. But being able to take the Xbox Live and have it work on the Nintendo Switch... It's going to open up so many doors. I don't have an Xbox right now. I'd love to get one, but right now, it's not something I'm going to go get. It's just not in the cards for me. But, once the Xbox Live is available on the Switch, I'm probably going to get a subscription because then that means I'll be able to play online with friends who have Xbox games if I get it on the Switch. And I think it's going to come to the Switch with the release of Cuphead, which is going to be released in April. Now, I am excited to see Cuphead on the Switch. I was not able to play it because, like I said, I don't have an Xbox. And my friend who does have an Xbox, uh, my best friend Eddie, I don't think he ever got the demo, so he never played it. But looking at playthroughs online and seeing clips of the game available, it just looks so damn fun. I've heard it is really super hard. I'm fine with that. But the fact that it's coming to the Switch and it's going to have Xbox Live support, that's awesome because people who don't have an Xbox or maybe, you know, they just didn't get the game for Xbox, but they have a Switch. Maybe they want to get it on the Switch and put their service on there for Xbox Live and play with their friends. They can go to Starbucks, log into Wi-Fi and have a game of Cuphead with somebody online. It's, it's cool. It's, it's really, really cool. I'm excited for Cuphead. I'm excited for Xbox Live support on the Switch. Maybe this will push PlayStation to get their shit together and kind of get that cross-platform really going because at one point they said, no, we're not going to do cross-platform. Nobody wants that. When all of us are saying, uh, no, that's exactly what we want. And then they said, okay, well, it'll be cross-platform, but it's going to be very limited is what I believe they said, or it's going to be certain games. As far as I'm concerned, just open it up. Make it so if somebody has GTA 5 on a PC that they got from Steam, I on my PS4 can jump on and play with my friend who's got it on PC. It should work. If not that, at least so Xbox and Switch and PS4 can cross-play together. Now, the other game that's coming out, and I believe it comes out March 29th, if I remember the commercial that I just saw, Yoshi's Crafted World. Now, I recently downloaded the demo, and I played through it a little bit. You only get to play one level, so I kind of played it a few times just to get the gist of the game, and it's actually really fun. Now, I get a lot of people be like, well, it's aimed at younger kids and this and that. Look, Little Big Planet was also one of those kind of cutesy, you know, cardboard craft world type of games. I really enjoyed Little Big Planet. I had it on my PS3. It's probably still downloaded on the hard drive there. I just haven't hooked up my PS3, but I had lots of fun playing Little Big Planet. 
So I'm really excited for Yoshi's Crafted World. It looks like a lot of fun. It doesn't look like one of those games where you got to put in a lot of time. You can pick it up, play a few levels, and then go on about your day. It's not like Super Mario Odyssey where you're going to have to put in a lot of time. And I know there's probably somebody out there who goes, I played through Super Mario Odyssey in like two hours. Good for you. I'm not that kind of gamer. I, I end up taking time. There's still a lot of games I haven't beat. But I think Yoshi's Crafted World is going to be one of those that really, really piques the interest of people who want a game that seems simple yet fun. Not so simple where it's walking, holding your hand and walking you through everything, but simple enough where you're like, you know what, I can play this for a couple of hours and not have to worry about, oh, well, I got to go over here to get this, and then I got to venture back over here, and let me get the map, and let me look this up and that. It's just pretty straightforward, and I, I like games like that. And don't get me wrong, I like playing games like Diablo 3. I like playing GTA. I like games that have a challenge, but sometimes I just want a simple game, and that's what Yoshi's Crafted World seems to be. So the Xbox Live support is going to be huge. Cuphead, I think, is really going to sell well on the Switch. I think a lot of people are excited because the makers of the game flat out said when it was released for Xbox, we're not putting this on PS4. So the fact that they're releasing it for the Switch says a lot. Says a whole lot. And I think that's in part because Microsoft and Nintendo have agreed to have Xbox Live support on the Nintendo Switch. It's a huge deal. It could revolutionize gaming. It could also fall flat on its fucking face. But I'm excited for it. We're going to see what happens. And we're going to get into the show proper here now. So just sit back and enjoy my review of Pieces and talking about Joe Bob Briggs and The Last Drive-In. Warning. What you will see in the movie Pieces cannot be revealed. Cannot be described. Cannot even be imagined. And you don't have to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre. Pieces. It's exactly what you think it is. Pieces. Absolutely no one under 17 will be admitted. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Skewered Universe podcast. I am your host, Jeff, as you already know if you've listened to the show before. And before we get into the main show proper, which is going to cover pieces that I watched uh, as part of the Joe Bob Briggs Last Drive-In Marathon, I'm getting to it late, but I'm still getting to it. We all know the issues Shudder had with the live stream of that last year, so I've been taking in the movies piece by piece. So I decided to cover pieces this time because I had never seen it all the way through. I got about halfway through it one time and then didn't go back to it. So the main show is going to talk a little bit about Joe Bob Briggs, The Last Drive-In, my history, watching Joe Bob growing up. And then we're going to talk about pieces and I'll let you know what's going on with that. But before we get into the show proper here, I want to talk a little bit about some of the gaming news that's been going on or things that I'm interested in that maybe you guys are. And I don't have a lot to say about Xbox. I don't really have an Xbox, but we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, Don't have anything to talk about PlayStation 4. As you guys know, I'm in Arizona right now for a new job. My PS4 is back home in California. Uh, Hopefully in a few weeks, I'll be giving it some love and giving uh, giving it a bit of a workout playing some games. And I'll let you know what I find out then, but I need to talk about the Nintendo Switch. Now, the beauty of the Nintendo Switch is I could play it docked on my TV or what I've been doing, playing it on the go. It's a portable system. I love it. It's that hybrid. It's really a great system. Now, I was not high on the Switch when I first heard about it. And then I came around after my friends were talking about it, saying how good it was. And we've got a few things to talk about with the Switch. Uh, First off, I'm going to talk about the Switch online service. I, for one, am very happy with it. I know some people are, you know, irritated. Oh, it doesn't have chat support. Uh, I can't get, like, 
this, that, and the other for it. I have to use a separate app on my phone. There are other things you can do to chat with your friends while you're online. This is still in the infant stages. And I know people go, well, it came out last year. Yeah, it did. But I think Nintendo has an overall vision of what they want the Switch online service to be. And we're going to see that unfold slowly. But if you think back, think about when Xbox first launched Xbox Live. It wasn't great in the beginning. It didn't have all the features that it has now. Same with the PlayStation Network. PlayStation Network was shit in the beginning, and I'll admit that right away. And either one of them, Xbox Live and PlayStation Network, they still have their flaws, but they are leaps and bounds from what they were, and it took years to get there. So if Nintendo stays focused on the Switch, the online service will come around to what everyone wants. One thing I do like about the Switch, they're not talking about putting Netflix on there and, you know, Amazon Prime and this, that, and the other. You can get YouTube, you can get Hulu. Okay, if you want that, that's fine. I put YouTube on mine, so if I don't have my iPad around and I'm on Wi-Fi and want to watch a couple videos, I can do that. As far as the online service, I enjoy it because I like the fact that they put the Nintendo, the classic Nintendo games on there. And I think soon we're going to see Super Nintendo and 64 Sort of like the virtual console thing, but each one having its own little app, essentially, that you go into for the online service. So right now we have the NES Classic available on there with all those games. And they keep rolling out new games once a month. There's like three or four games every month, and I still see people getting upset. And it kind of bothers me because I'm like, you're paying $10 or $20 a year, I think it is for online access to play these games. And I know people are like, well, I have original Nintendo. I can just play those. That's fine. I don't have my original Nintendo anymore. There's lots of people that don't. There are lots of people that can't afford to go out and get a retro console and collect a lot of those games because it can get pricey. And I know a lot of us got hosed on getting an NES Classic. I was able to get one later on. Wasn't able to get my hands on an SNES Classic, which I really wanted, but, you know... Uh, assholes will be assholes, and a lot of them bought up the quantities that were out there and then turned around and sold them for three times the amount on eBay. And I get they're trying to turn a profit, they're trying to make a dollar, but fuck you, you fucked over those of us who were waiting for it. But Nintendo, I feel, is gonna release that stuff slowly, they're gonna roll it out, they wanna make sure that it's working properly. That's the way I feel about it. And I know in the past, Nintendo has kind of hosed over the fans, but I think if they really focus on the Switch, like they focused on the Nintendo DS for a long time, even more so than the Wii or the Wii U. Now, I heard the Wii U, or the Wii Virtual Console was good. I never got it. I played my Wii for, well, actually, it was my dad's Wii. We got it for him, because he was really into it. (laughs) Uh, we played it for maybe six months to a year, and then it got disconnected from the TV when we had when my parents had to get a new TV, and it hasn't been hooked up since. So, I think the Wii was sort of a novelty thing. It's like, hey, motion controls, the Wii motes, you can use the nunchuck, all these different things that you can lock your controller into. It was cool for a while, and then it kind of ran its course. The Wii U, Nintendo just released it, and then basically shit on it. It was like, eh, we're not giving it support. So I never had a Wii U. But the other thing I want to talk about with the Switch Online service is we have heard, and supposedly it's going to be coming up very soon, that Switch and Xbox, so Nintendo and Microsoft, are partnering in a sense, and we're going to get Xbox Live access on the Nintendo Switch. That to me is huge, especially for cross-platform play which I think is going to open up the Switch to more of those AAA titles. We're going to start getting more stuff available for the Switch. It's not going to be just, oh, well, we don't want you to have this game. We're trying to stick family-friendly. The Switch, I think, is more popular with an older crowd of gamers. The younger crowd is still there. The kids are still there. you got the Nintendo Labo, which I think is a great thing. But being able to take the Xbox Live and have it work on the Nintendo Switch... It's going to open up so many doors. I don't have an Xbox right now. I'd love to get one, but right now, it's not something I'm going to go get. It's just not in the cards for me. 
But once the Xbox Live is available on the Switch, I'm probably going to get a subscription because then that means I'll be able to play online with friends who have Xbox games if I get it on the Switch. And I think it's going to come to the Switch with the release of Cuphead, which is going to be released in April. Now, I am excited to see Cuphead on the Switch. I was not able to play it because, like I said, I don't have an Xbox. And my friend who does have an Xbox, uh, my best friend Eddie, I don't think he ever got the demo, so he never played it. But looking at playthroughs online and seeing clips of the game available, it just looks so damn fun. I've heard it is really super hard. I'm fine with that. But the fact that it's coming to the Switch and it's going to have Xbox Live support, that's awesome because people who don't have an Xbox or maybe, you know, they just didn't get the game for Xbox, but they have a Switch. Maybe they want to get it on the Switch and put their service on there for Xbox Live and play with their friends. They can go to Starbucks, log into Wi-Fi and have a game of Cuphead with somebody online. It's it's cool. It's it's really, really cool. I'm excited for Cuphead. I'm excited for Xbox Live support on the Switch. Maybe this will push PlayStation to get their shit together and kind of get that cross-platform really going because at one point they said, no, we're not going to do cross-platform. Nobody wants that. When all of us are saying, uh, no, that's exactly what we want. And then they said, okay, well, it'll be cross-platform, but it's going to be very limited is what I believe they said, or it's going to be certain games. As far as I'm concerned, just open it up. Make it so if somebody has GTA 5 on a PC that they got from Steam, I on my PS4 can jump on and play with my friend who's got it on PC. It should work. If not that, at least so Xbox and Switch and PS4 can cross-play together. Now, the other game that's coming out, and I believe it comes out March 29th, if I remember the commercial that I just saw, Yoshi's Crafted World. Now, I recently downloaded the demo, and I played through it a little bit. You only get to play one level, so I kind of played it a few times just to get the gist of the game, and it's actually really fun. Now, I get a lot of people be like, well, it's aimed at younger kids and this and that. Look, Little Big Planet was also one of those kind of cutesy, you know, cardboard craft world type of games. I really enjoyed Little Big Planet. I had it on my PS3. It's probably still downloaded on the hard drive there. I just haven't hooked up my PS3, but I had lots of fun playing Little Big Planet. So I'm really excited for Yoshi's Crafted World. It looks like a lot of fun. It doesn't look like one of those games where you got to put in a lot of time. You can pick it up, play a few levels, and then go on about your day. It's not like Super Mario Odyssey where you're going to have to put in a lot of time. And I know there's probably somebody out there who goes, I played through Super Mario Odyssey in like two hours. Good for you. I'm not that kind of gamer. I, I end up taking time. There's still a lot of games I haven't beat. But I think Yoshi's Crafted World is going to be one of those that really, really piques the interest of people who want a game that seems simple yet fun. Not so simple where it's walking, holding your hand and walking you through everything, but simple enough where you're like, you know what, I can play this for a couple of hours and not have to worry about, oh, well, I got to go over here to get this and then I got to venture back over here and let me get the map and let me look this up and that. It's just pretty straightforward, and I, I like games like that. And don't get me wrong, I like playing games like Diablo 3. I like playing GTA. I like games that have a challenge. But sometimes I just want a simple game, and that's what Yoshi's Crafted World seems to be. So the Xbox Live support is going to be huge. Cuphead, I think, is really going to sell well on the Switch. I think a lot of people are excited because... The makers of the game flat out said when it was released for Xbox, we're not putting this on PS4. So the fact that they're releasing it for the Switch says a lot. Says a whole lot. And I think that's in part because Microsoft and Nintendo have agreed to have Xbox Live support on the Nintendo Switch. It's a huge deal. It could revolutionize gaming. It could also fall flat on its fucking face. But I'm excited for it. We're going to see what happens. And we're going to get into the show proper here now, so just sit back and enjoy my review of Pieces and talking about Joe Bob Briggs and The Last Drive-In. Warning. What you will see in the movie Pieces cannot be revealed, cannot be described, cannot even be imagined. 
And you don't have to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre. Pieces. It's exactly what you think it is. Pieces. Absolutely no one under 17 will be admitted. All right, so you just heard the trailer or a trailer for Pieces from 1982. A fun little slasher <laughs> directed by Juan Piquer Simone. Now, before I get too far into this movie, Pieces, I want to talk a little bit about why I'm covering it for this show. I recently saw this uh, because it's on Shudder. And I know I said, uh, there, but that's fine. Get over it. It's on Shudder right now as part of the Joe Bob Briggs Last Drive-In Marathon that aired last year that Shudder had that crashed their site and is bringing us more Joe Bob, which we can all get behind, right? Right. So I watched it on there because I started it once, never finished it. It wasn't that I wasn't into it. It was late when I started it. I just hadn't got around to going back to it. And the reason I picked pieces from that marathon that Joe Bob did is I have always admired Joe Bob and he's one of my favorite horror hosts or yeah horror host movie host that I watched when I was growing up Monster Vision on TNT was a huge thing for me I was always watching it seeing the drive-in totals and he was funny and knowledgeable and I think that's a huge reason why I started taking in so much knowledge from film that I have. Maybe not as in-depth as him or some other people I know, but... I I think I know a little bit, you know. You know, not to toot my own horn. <laughs> but yeah, Joe Bob Briggs was a huge uh, part of my growing up. I watched Monster Vision. I didn't watch the, the movie channel show. We didn't have cable growing up for a long time, so... I never got to that. But by the time we did get Cable, he was on Monst on TNT with Monster Vision. So that's a huge reason why I picked this movie, because I wanted to watch Joe Bob tell me little facts about this film. So now, Pieces. Like I said, 1982, a Spanish-directed film set in Boston but filmed in Spain, which is kind of obvious when you watch it. So, story starts out, we see a young kid putting together this puzzle of this naked woman. The boy's mother comes in, sees what he's doing, proceeds to go off the handle on him. Tells him to go get a bag, we're throwing this away, I can't believe you would do this, things like that. I'm paraphrasing. Well, he decides to go get an axe and chop her up into pieces. <laughs> The neighbor comes by, cops are called, they go in the house, they find pieces of this kid's mother everywhere, her head is in the closet, he's hiding in another closet going, mama, mama, or mommy, but before the cops got there, when the kid heard them coming up, he went and hid because he's a fucking little psychopath. So we fast forward about 40 years later. As the movie in the beginning, when the kid was putting the puzzle together, took place in the 1940s. I neglected to tell you that. Now you'll see things that are like, how is that in the 40s? I'm not going into that. We fast forward 40 years later to a college campus in Boston. Well, Boston, but Spain. But Boston. And... It's, it's ridiculous. It's a lot of fun, but there's a serial killer who is going around killing college co-eds with a chainsaw. Or a knife if he happens to have it, but mostly a chainsaw. And taking pieces of them for whatever unknown fucking reason. We get interstitials of black-gloved hands. I believe it's black-gloved hands putting together pieces of this puzzle. So we're like, oh, it's the kid. He grew up and he's a serial killer. But we don't know who he is. There's a creepy professor who you think it could be. There's the groundskeeper Willard, played by Paul L. Smith, who was Bluto in the Popeye movie with Robin Williams. 
That was an interesting little bit of trivia I picked up from Joe Bob. So we're moving along. The cops are called in because they need to stop these murders. The dean is pleading to the cops, hey, we got to do this, but let's keep it quiet. They think it's the groundskeeper Willard at some point because he's playing this kind of weird character. He's a red herring. He throws everyone off. You think he could be the killer, but it turns out he's not. So we're going along. We have this character, Kendall. And if you hear paper, I have notes written down. This is the first time I've had notes on this show. So <laughs> that's how much I wanted to do this. That's how much I wanted to be able to kind of pick and choose what I tell you here about the movie. But we have these... <laughs> Uh, there are just some really, really ridiculous things that happen. The kills are all fun. I mean, there's a girl who walks up to a guy in the library, says something to the effect of, meet me in the pool if you want to have fun. I don't remember the line exactly, but... Basically, she gives him a note saying, hey, if you want to fuck, meet me in the pool. She goes to the pool, proceeds to get down to her bathing suit, then take her top off and swim around. Well, the dude in the library doesn't go. She gets killed by the serial killer, and then he shows up. And I think he's supposed to be some ladies' man. Because, like, every woman is all over this guy on the college campus. There's literally one woman who's, like, begging for him to not go and give it to her again. And she'll keep quiet if he does it. I'm like... I was watching it going, what the fuck? <laughs> what in the actual fuck is happening? Like, majority of these actors are foreign. They're not native English speaking. They're from other countries, Spain. I believe the main, one of the main characters, Kendall, he's, uh, I don't remember where he's from. Joe Bob said, and I forgot. But, yeah, so there's a lot of dubbing. A lot of dubbing. Even dubbed over English lines said by the Eng the English-speaking actors. So they dubbed over them with their own English lines again. And it's crazy. I mean, when we get to the climax of the film, it turned... They, well, not even the climax. Let me back up here. They go to the cops, want them to come to the campus to find out what's going on. There's a scene later on that takes place in the police station where this Kendall kid and one of the cops is there and there's this blonde woman and she's a cop but the college student looks at her and goes, hey, aren't you uh, Mary Riggs, the tennis player? She's like, yeah, but this is a side job or something like that. Like, So she's a cop and a pro tennis player. It makes no sense. She's asked to go undercover as the new tennis coach at the school. She ends up at some point having a random kung fu fight with one of with the kung fu instructor on the campus or kung fu professor apparently they call him. I I am telling you this movie is a lot of fun but there's so much ridiculousness in it that you'll just be watching it going what is happening? So eventually we see there are more murders. A woman gets her arm cut off in an elevator. There's another woman who gets cut in half in the locker room. And I'm chuckling because it is... It's actually pretty well done. Oh, <laughs> there, is a, there is a reporter who gets killed with... Stabbed by a knife on a waterbed, apparently. But if you watch closely in the scene, he's stabbing her in the back of the head. And they didn't try to hide it with a cut. I guess they just figured, eh, screw it, go, for, go with it, who cares? But if you watch closely, the killer swings down with the knife, and you see the blade, which I'm assuming is rubber or plastic or something, just as soon as it hits her head, as soon as it hits this actress's head, it bends off to the left, just curls right around. And it's, it's obviously in the shot. I saw it and went, wait a minute, did I just see the knife bend? Back the movie up. Saw it again and went, yep, they left that in there. So, 
Maybe the guy was pressed for time. I don't know the shooting schedule for this film. I didn't look into it. I didn't want to see how long it took them. I just wanted to see the movie and have Joe Bob give me info. So eventually, the more more murders happen, there's more mystery. There's different people that could be the killer, but it's never really resolved that they are. You just kind of go, oh, he's not, because it turns out this guy is. Okay. There's nothing really going, oh, well, they proved this guy, or oh, he obviously can't be them, because he came from that side of the campus when this body's over here. There's no way he could have done that. There's there's really nothing like that. Hold on, take it a drink of water. <sighs> Telling you folks, podcasting, uh, your mouth gets dry. Really, really dry. So we get to the final part of the movie. Turns out the dean of the college is the kid from 40 years ago who chopped up his mother. He's been killing these co-eds. I guess trying to deal with everything by killing them, it, it doesn't really make sense. But this Mary Riggs goes to see him to talk about the murders and let him know what's going on with the case. He drugs her because he's going to kill her. Well, the cops find out through having this Kendall student from the college... Help him out, because the cops need all the help they can get. And why not a college student? He seems like the best, you know, man for the job. Because apparently, in Juan Simone's view of America, anyone can become a cop. Just by saying, hey, I didn't kill him, I can help you. I'm telling you, the view of the U.S. in this is very, very uh, weird. So... He's going to kill Mary. The cops find out that he's the killer. Uh, I don't remember really how they found out. There was a phone call and the cop goes, It's the Dean. Or we got to go. And they go to the Dean's place. They come in just in time before he's going to kill her. They shoot him in the head. Of course, I think he was he had a fight with Kendall, but that's... It's kind of not memorable, that fight, because it doesn't really go anywhere. The cops shoot the guy in the head, the dean in the head. And you think that's it. But then Kendall goes over to this bookcase and leans up against it, and it's one of those, you know, like the old 50s movies that had the bookcase that would lead to a secret passage. Well, this was a bookcase that moved, and behind it was a sewn together dead body yeah the dean had taken all the pieces of the women that he had killed on campus stitched them together in some weird sex doll frankenstein fucking doll thing i don't know it was it was really weird like, I kind of had an idea he was taking pieces and going to put them together, but I thought, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's just taking the pieces and putting the puzzle together as he does it, because that's what each piece signifies. No, he was literally piecing together a woman from dead body parts. But that is not where the movie ends. Oh, no, no, no. We get one, one final jump scare. So this kid, this guy Kendall that I've been talking about, I say kid, but he was probably like 35, who knows. Uh, this guy Kendall, the student, is getting ready to leave with one of the cops. The cop goes, hey, don't forget your jacket. He's like, oh yeah, let me get it. Goes to grab it. And the hand of the stitched together dead woman reaches up, grabs a handful of his crotch and just mutilates the fuck out of his dick. And that's how Pieces ends. I shit you not, that is where it ends. A weird jump scare from a zombified, stitched together corpse of a woman. Now, I know a lot of you are going, this sounds bad. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. This movie is not bad. This movie is fun. It's entertaining. Now, it's not a good movie. I mean, would I put this on and watch it again? Of course. 
of course. Would I own it? Yeah, I'd love to find a Blu-ray of this and put it in my collection because it is a fun movie. And if you put it on with friends, they're going to wonder what the hell is going on. And those are moments I love. So everything about... The, the gore is, is really, really good. The, kill, the effects on the kills are great. Um, if you like boobs, this movie has boobs. If you want to see uh, full frontal male nudity, it has that as well. So a little bit for, for both sides. Or any side, depending on what you like. Hey, like what you like. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> but yeah, there's boobs, blood, dick, dick mutilation. Uh, women getting cut in half. I mean, it's it's a fun movie. Like I said, it is not good. And by good, I mean it is not very well put together. There's a coherent plot. Well, kind of. Some of the characters don't really make any sense, like the tennis pro, who's also a cop. But it was a fun time. I enjoyed it. Uh, there, there were some ridiculous lines, and I have them right here in front of me. <laughs> there are these students standing in a hallway talking on the campus. I believe it's a hallway in one of the buildings. And one of the young women just goes, have you ever been laid on a waterbed? And another student goes, the most beautiful thing in the world is smoking pot and fucking on a waterbed at the same time. I've never heard anyone fucking say that in my life. I mean, if I did, I'd probably wonder what the hell they were smoking aside from pot. But <laughs> it's, it's lines like that in this film that make me love it because... Nobody in the U.S. speaks the way they do in this movie, save for the American actors who were cast in the film. These these lines are so crazy. I mean, the most beautiful thing in the world is smoking pot and fucking on a waterbed at the same time. I don't think anyone would enjoy that. I don't care how good the pot is or how good the sex is. It's... It all just seems awkward and like a recipe for disaster. <laughs> In the end, I had fun watching this movie. And not just because I was watching it as part of the Joe Bob Last Drive-In Marathon. Because it's just a fun slasher flick. It's not a movie that you have to pay a lot of attention to. And sometimes we need movies like that, that you can just put on that are ridiculous and fun. And there's lots of good kills. Sometimes we need that. That's what I needed when I watched this film. So I came out of it loving this film. I'm going to give it a high recommend. It's, it's a lot of fun. If you love slashers from the 80s, like I said, this is from 82, so it definitely still feels kind of like a 70s movie. But it's got a, a little bit of giallo in there with the black gloved killer. And if you love women, if you love seeing people getting ripped apart by a chainsaw, I almost said women, and I didn't want to say that because that's not appropriate. People being killed by a chainsaw. Uh, watch this movie. It is B movie cheese all the way. But but it is a lot of fun, especially if you're a a real hardcore horror fan like myself. It's one that you should seek out and see. I'm going to say it's Skewer Universe approved. I'm not giving you a percentage rating, percentage rating anymore. I'm just going to tell you approved or not. And I took another drink of water. Deal with it. Uh -huh. So yeah, Pieces. 1982, seek it out. Uh, if you have Shudder, it's on there. Not just as part of the Joe Bob Marathon. It's also on there streaming the movie by itself without any of his commentary. But I am going to say, if you're a fan of Joe Bob or you're a fan of horror hosts, or you like learning about movies, check it out with his commentary going on in between the film. It's, it's really, really cool. And I've watched almost every movie from that marathon, some of which I had seen several times, and learned something I didn't know before. 
So I'm going to say Seek Out Pieces. Like I said, it's on Shutter. I think it's also on Amazon Prime. If it's not available to stream, it's available. it should be available to rent. I'll check that and drop it. In, drop where you can find it in the show notes here. That way you guys don't have to worry about, he didn't tell me. It'll be in the show notes. Read those. And yeah, Pieces. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. I mean, ridiculous, but fun. Find the podcast at skewerduniversepodcast.podbean.com. It's also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Search for Skewered Universe Podcast. Contact the show by emailing us at skeweruniversepodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at skeweru, Facebook at the Skewered Universe group page, and Instagram at skewered underscore universe. Moving on here, we're gonna we're gonna kind of go to a, a downer note here. So over the last couple weeks, the horror community and film community has lost uh, three three people who definitely touched the horror world world in their own ways and were definitely looked at as icons in the industry. Uh, first, John Carl Beekler, the man behind Troll. Uh, he directed, I have it right here, I'm looking. <laughs> I know the obvious one, but I was looking for another one. He did the effects from, in 1986's From Beyond, and most notably directed Friday the 13th Part 7, The New Blood, one of my favorite entries in the film series. Not only because of just the overall movie being fun, but the, the iconic look of Jason from that film, which was also created by John Carl Beekler. Uh, he has left us along with Larry Cohen, director of It's Alive, It's Alive Again, It's Alive 3, Island of the Alive, Cue the Winged Serpent, and of course, uh, one of my favorite films because it is just so... So fun, the stuff. And lastly, but not of course, not last in our hearts or any position here, but just the third person that I wrote down here, Joe Pilato. Now, some of you out there go, who the hell is Joe Pilato? Horror fans are going to immediately know he was Captain Rhodes in Day of the Dead. He also had a small part, which was his first feature film role in George Romero's Dawn of the Dead which helped him to come back to play Rhodes in Day of the Dead. He was also in Wishmaster, and he was the Dean Martin lookalike in Pulp Fiction, which I just learned about when I was looking up his filmography so I could get some more information. But yeah, Skewered Universe wants to say rest in peace to John Carl Beekler, Larry Cohen, and Joe Pilato. You three are legendary. Your work will live on, and horror fans like myself and the world over will make sure your legacy stays alive. And to your families, the deepest of condolences from the Skewer universe. We're going to miss these three guys. They influenced many of us. I remember the first time I saw Friday the 13th Part 7 and was blown away at the look of Jason. Uh, the first time I saw Troll, which these are both John Carl Peekler films, and the creature work in that is great, and it all came from his mind. Uh, when I got to see the stuff a few years ago, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I watched It's Alive. I need to see the It's Alive sequels, and I do need to watch Q the Winged Serpent. But Larry Cohen put together such a fun film with the stuff. If you haven't seen the stuff, you need to see it. Same with Friday the 13th Part 7. Uh, I'm going to go into more of John Carl Beekler's work. I'm going to look into more of Larry Cohen's work. Definitely going to find more stuff that Joe Pilato did. But speaking of Pilato, Day of the Dead is by far my favorite of the original Romero Dead series. 
and it was Joe Pilato's performance as Captain Rhodes that really, really solidified that for me. The effects are great. The story's great. Everything about that film is great. And I'm not talking about the tone, because the tone is dark and depressing as shit. But that's one thing I like about it. But the character of Captain Rhodes, Joe Pilato brought such an intensity to that role. And I remember seeing bits of Day of the Dead on local television when I was probably still too young to be watching it. And we all know late night, back in the 80s, some of the movies weren't quite as censored as they would be at, say, 3 o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday. So I did get to see uh, part of the scene where Rhodes was ripped apart. But I just remember the scene where him yelling at Richard Liberty's character, Those are my fucking men! Or something to that effect. I don't remember the line right now. I'm not going to look it up for you guys. You, you know what? Do yourself a favor. Go watch Day of the Dead. Go look into John Carl Beekler, Larry Cohen, and Joe Pilato's works. Give them a watch. Keep their legacy alive that way. And with that, we're going to close out this episode of the Skewered Universe podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening. It has been a lot of fun. And keep enjoying that universe that's just a bit skewered. <laughs>